1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1. We had talked about this last time when we closed our Bible study. I had talked about 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1. Paul said, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. And when he spoke about that, he was referring to everything. His manner of life, his example, and his teaching, his doctrine. And you say, how do you know that? Well, because Paul taught Timothy to live and to be an example. And he said, other people will follow your faith. And he, and he encouraged Christians. He said, look for people of faith and look for their example and follow their example, their manner of life. Uh, Paul talked oftentimes about how we need spiritual leaders. We need people who are stronger in the faith to be examples for us, and we should follow them. So he was certainly talking about following him and his, his manner of life, his practice. What did Paul do? Well, he went everywhere telling his story about how he got saved. And he evangelized. He talked about Jesus. And he preached a simple message And he preached that men should repent, that God commands it, and all men everywhere are to repent, not just the Jews, everybody, and to believe the gospel. So he preached repentance. Um, And so he was always busy talking about Christ. His whole life was about Jesus Christ. His practice then, we should follow that. We should follow his, his New Testament example of of preaching the gospel, getting people into churches. So if you have the chance ever to encourage anyone to do anything, and you have, you have that privilege of, of being the person in their life that they'll listen to, and they'll trust, and they're willing to humble themselves to the point to where they're teachable, and, and they will allow you to, to teach them. If you have that privilege... You always want to encourage them, if they're not saved, to be saved. You always want to deal with the issue of works, because most people are trusting in their own self-righteousness. Even if they know the gospel, they know it up here, most people are just assuming that, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ, and as long as I do right and I don't do anything too serious that's, that's wrong or bad, that I will go to heaven when I die. So ultimately, they're not trusting Jesus, they're trusting in them, themselves. They think, if I just keep it up, yeah, I'm not proud of my past, but if I just keep it up for long enough and I don't blow it, I think I'll go to heaven when I die. And it's a hope so, think so. Maybe, maybe so salvation. So you always got to talk about that. that just say, that's, that's, that's a hopeless case, man. The best you can do will land you flat on your back in hell. You better trust Christ. Better stop trusting yourself. So you've got to deal with that, and you've always got to deal with the issue of church. These days, people are so individualistic in, in, in America. And so they think it's just me and Jesus. If I get saved, okay, I'm saved, I'm good to go, right? I might every once in a while stop in at a church if... If I like it, and I might throw a few bucks in the in the offering plate, but for the most part, I've got my own thing going, and they they might be saved, but they don't see the value of the church. 
especially new believers. You need to encourage them. Listen, you have got to get in church weekly. Be with the church family. God never intended us to do this thing by ourselves, right? God always intended for us, when He set up the New Testament church, to do the Christian life as a family. You've got to get people into church. You know why? Because their lives will not change. Their lives will be ruined and destroyed if they just stay on their own. They will not be fruitful. They will have no courage, no boldness, and they won't lead anybody else to Christ. Yes, they might be saved, but their lives will fall apart. You need to get them into church because only as you get into church will you start to have victory over sins that prevail in your life. Only then will you start to grow. Only then will you start to be a witness to others. And only then will uh, you find out just the fullness of the Christian life and be encouraged, right? Because we need to be encouraged every week. We need like a shot in the arm to keep us going for another week. So when you do that, now Paul always did that. Everywhere he went, that was his practice. And his manner of life, but not just that, his doctrine. So we have to follow Paul's teaching. Okay, what did he teach? And he taught, we're going to look at it tonight. Um, I will maybe come back to this. Oh, there's those flowers back here. I'm putting that back here because I feel crowded. So I'm scooting this thing back. Um, Paul taught the doctrine of salvation. And if you want to understand salvation, you've got to understand it through the writings of Paul. Yeah. Yes, they were. So you have the gospel. And I'm going to show you tonight, I'm going to show you two gospels. So you have the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom. And you have the gospel of the grace of God. Okay? We've got to follow Paul, or else you will get salvation all twisted up, and that's the reason why there are so many teachings about salvation. What must I do to be saved? Some people say it's faith plus works. Most people say that, and they'll just come out and flat out tell you, it's grace plus works. You say, who says that? Well, a whole lot of people uh, that have their big head honcho over there in Rome. Uh, the followers of Alexander Campbell and the Church of Christ and so on. Um, they, we have to understand the difference between these. Okay, So we'll, we'll look at that. But what we're dealing with now is we're dealing with doctrine. You've got to follow Paul's doctrine. His teaching. If you follow Paul's teaching, you cannot possibly mess the Bible up. If you just follow Paul... In his, not only the, manner, the matter of his duty, his, the practical things that he did, but if you follow his doctrine, his teaching, you will not 
get messed up in the Bible. You have to rightly divide the word of truth, right? How do we make right divisions? By following Paul. When he said, be ye followers of me, he did not just mean his ministry and his manner of life. You say, how do you know that? Well, if you just read the New Testament and read Paul's letters, he's constantly defending his teaching against false teachers, such as the Judaizers, or other people. There were other false teachers. Jesus warned, when I, when I go away, when I ascend to my Father, there will come in false teachers. There will come in wolves in sheep's clothing. There will come in men who claim to be Christ. He warned about false teachers. Paul, at the end of his ministry, cried out to the Ephesian elders and said, I have warned you, just night and day, I have not ceased to warn you. I'm pure from the blood of all men. But he said, as soon as I leave, wolves will enter in. So there's that obligation, Paul said, I have taught you the right thing. Follow it. Okay? So don't be moved away from Paul. Now I'm going to show you something tonight. There's a difference between what Jesus preached and what his disciples preached before the crucifixion. When he sent out his 12, and then when he sent out the 72, okay, remember first it was the 12, then he had 72 uh, preacher boys, so to speak. 72 going out, and they went two by two, right? And they went into all the villages. But when he did that, He said, go, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, heal the sick, you know, cast out devils, do all that. But he said, do not go into the Gentiles, the way of the Gentiles. Do not go to the Gentiles. And then he said, don't even go into Samaria. Right? So, he said, go and preach the gospel of the kingdom. I'm going to show you that that's different than this. The gospel of the grace of God. You say, how do you know? Well, first of all, this word gospel... Somebody tell me what gospel means. Good news. Yep. And it's a, it's a gospel, and it comes from a good spell, which is, which is the, sort of the, where the word came from. And it simply means to tell a good spell. You know, sit down for a spell. That means we're going to sit down and talk and catch up and find out what's been going on. We, it's to tell good news. It's the word that was used when somebody went out to be a herald in the... In the uh, village, you know, and to tell what was going on. It's a gospel of the kingdom. Now, in other words, think of it like this. They went out to tell the good news of the kingdom in the gospels. Paul, he had the good news of the grace of God. And he called it, he called it my gospel. So, right here, Paul, I think it's Romans 16, where he said, it's my gospel. And he says in the first chapter of Galatians that it was given to him. Now hold on a minute. It was given to him. He did not receive it of men. I'm I'm giving you this first before I show you in the scripture. But uh, what was you going to say? Yes, and that is the gospel that he preached. Yes. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. But, um, so before the cross, Jesus had the 12 and the 72, right? They went about preaching the gospel of the kingdom. We assume that after the cross, the, this, the 12, which Judas, you know, he hung himself, so he was replaced by Matthias. We assume 
that the twelve gave the gospel message to Paul. Nope. That's not what the Bible says. Galatians chapter 1, Paul said, I was not given it by men, I received it. Where did he receive it? You read the book of Romans, Paul, when he gets saved on the road to Damascus, is knocked down, and he receives his information when he's on the backside of the desert from Jesus Christ himself. So what Paul taught, he had things that he was given that these guys didn't have. And he said, the gospel that I preached, I did not receive it from men. So you've got to see the difference. So what I'm telling you, there's a difference between the good news of the kingdom and the good news of the grace of God. The good news of the grace of God is 1 Corinthians 15. We'll look at it. 15, 1-4. Now, today, when I was doing the counseling session, which is just Bible teaching, I love what I do. I love getting to do what I do, even though it's hard and it is... Uh, I don't know, it just, it's a burden, but I love getting to do what I do. I love teaching the Bible. Um, that's the only answer. I, I can't help anybody. Only God can help them as they respond to what he said in his word. But there's two Gospels. Now let's, let's look at it together, okay? Go to Matthew 24, please. So you have four Gospels in the beginning of the New Testament. Matthew 24. And we'll look at it. You remember in the Gospels, you have, in the Gospel of John, Jesus' encounter with a woman taken in adultery. And there she is before him, and he deals with them, you know, about the throwing stones and so on. Everybody goes away, he says, is there no man to condemn you? And she said, no man, Lord. And he said, neither do I condemn thee. Now what he said is that you're forgiven. He was able to forgive her before the cross. Okay? The disciples, when they preached the gospel of the kingdom, they went out preaching, repent. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, or the kingdom of heaven is close. Repent. And they, they went out preaching, and Jesus preached it too. Repentance, which means to admit uh, your guilt for sin, be sorry for it, and turn away from it. Um, they preached repentance and remission of sins. What's remission? It means a canceling of the guilt of sin, a canceling of, of the, the debt of sin, the removal of the guilt Yes, I'm forgiven and I know it. Jesus could do that on the spot. And when he preached repentance, he could forgive him right there. And he oftentimes said, you're forgiven. And then that caused like a, a firestorm with the Pharisees and the scribes. They said, who is he? Who does he think he is that he can forgive sin? Nobody can forgive sin but God. Of course, he was God in the flesh. So he offered forgiveness of sins, told people to repent because the kingdom was at hand, get right. But they rejected their king, right? We know that much. But uh, that's, something, that's something different. Okay, so uh, what Jesus did not say to that woman, he did not say, look, if you just believe that I'm going to go to the cross and pay for your sins, and I'll be buried, I'll rise again the third day, if you'll believe that right now, I'll forgive you of your sins and take you to heaven when you die. He did not say that. The, God, the disciples were not saying that. When Jesus said, I'm going to go to the cross, they're, they're gonna, the Son of Man is going to, to die and 
They're going to slay me. And when he said that to his disciples, they rejected it. They said, no way. We're not going to let that happen to you. So nobody expected that. Nobody saw it coming. Jesus just over and over again kept saying it. This is what's going to happen. Um, So they were not preaching the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So Matthew 24. I just want to show you this chapter. We're going to look at it now. And we're going to look at it understanding it. And where it belongs. Does it belong in the dispensation of the church age? Or does it belong in the tribulation period? Okay. So Matthew 24. Jesus went out and departed from the temple. Verse 1. And his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another, That shall not be thrown down. That's a prophetic statement. A prediction of what's going to happen. Huge stones that would be thrown down. So he's giving prophecy. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? So now we know what he's going to talk about. He's going to talk about future things. Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed, so there's a warning, that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, that ye be, uh, see that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. The end of what? Verse 3, the end of the world. Now, what we're going to read now takes place in the first half of the tribulation. The, the rumors, the wars, all that. He's talking about the first half of the tribulation. But he says, don't be troubled, the end is not yet. And then he says, for nation shall, in verse 7, shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be uh, famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginnings of sorrows. So this is during the tribulation period when this happens. Now you say, how do you know that? Well, you have to keep going, read in the context. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted. That's the middle of the tribulation period. For the first half, if you study prophecy, it's a time of peace, and the Jews are allowed to worship at the temple. And they're allowed to practice their Old Testament religion. No one harms them. And then that that peace treaty with the Jews is broken, and then they are persecuted. But during that first three and a half years, they're going to hear rumors. All is not well in the world. And then there are pestilence and earthquakes and things that happen at that time. Now, they'll deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Okay, stop there for a second. Hatred because of the Messiah. Um, who's he talking to in Matthew 24? So remember we said there's three questions you've got to ask. Who's speaking? Who are they speaking to? What are they saying? So, if you're reading the Gospel of Matthew and you're reading everything, you understand he's talking to Jews only. He only has his Jewish disciples. He has been telling his disciples, do not go into the way 
of the Gentiles and preach the gospel of the kingdom. Don't even go to Samaria and preach the gospel of the kingdom. Yeah, he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom to the Jews. You say, why? Because the kingdom is for the Jews. It's for the Jews. I mean, you read in the Old Testament, God says, I'm your king. And they say, well, we want a king like the rest of the people. So, okay, they chose Saul. And he said, well, I'll give you a better king. And he gives them David, a kingdom with a king and land. I mean, that's, that's what he's talking about. Okay, so he's talking to Jews. They're preaching the good news of the kingdom. The king is here. He's going to set up his kingdom if you repent. Um, he said, now you're going to be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. Okay? So, all of a sudden, Jesus' ministry has changed drastically toward the end of the Gospels. When When he sees that he's being rejected by his people, then things change. And his teaching starts to take on this prophetic tone of, of the apocalypse, of end times judgment and persecution and tribulation. After he's rejected, his, his teaching changes and he starts talking about that. So what happened is that during his earthly ministry, when, he's, when he starts to be rejected, there's rejection, then he changes his teaching. And right before he goes to the cross, you have him talking about Matthew 24 and 25. So he's, he's telling only his Jewish people, he's telling them, this is what's going to happen to you. You have rejected me, therefore you are going to go through the tribulation period, and the nation of Israel is going to go through a time of great tribulation. So he starts telling them about something that's going to happen way out here, after roughly 2,000 years of the church age, Tell them about what's going to happen here in the Great Tribulation period, right in the middle. That's what he's telling them about in Matthew 24. And he's not, there's not a Gentile in sight. And he's not talking to anybody in the church age. So he says this. Uh, many false prophets will rise, verse 12, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. This is where people get messed up with salvation. You see, a preacher who doesn't study the Bible and doesn't know any better would come to Matthew 24 and tell you, look folks, you trust in Jesus, now you're on the road. Now you're, you need to stay on this narrow way, and as long as you stay on the narrow path and endure all the way to the end of your life as a disciple of Jesus Christ, following His commandments because He gave commandments, then you'll go to heaven. Endure to the end. That's what, uh, forgive me for these labels, I'm sorry, but I just so you understand, that's what Catholics will teach, that's what Pentecostals will teach. Now, if you go on the other side, you have the Calvinists, okay? Presbyterians and uh, Hardshell Baptists, Primitive Baptists, and the old time uh, particular Baptists, an earlier part of this country. But anyways, Baptists are known for being Calvinists, I don't know if you knew that. But uh, anyways... What they would say is that if you are saved, you will endure to the end. If you're truly saved, then you will do right. And they call that, the, not only, that's not the predestination, but they call that the, uh, 
Oh, there's the word just slipped my mind. Um, boy, that's going to... Total depravity, unconditional election, uh, limited atonement, irresistible grace, perseverance. Perseverance of the saints. If you really are saved, you will persevere unto the end. That's Calvinism. That's not the gospel. That's a false teaching. Jesus is talking to people that will be going through the tribulation period. And he gives them hope. If you endure to the end of the three and a half year great tribulation, you say, how do you know that? All right, we'll keep reading. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. Then shall the end come. All right, we'll come back to that verse. But I want you just to see some key phrases. We won't read the whole chapter. Notice in verse 15. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Now, that's familiar to anybody who studies the Bible. What's that talking about? That's the abomination of the Antichrist coming in and defiling the temple. Daniel prophesied it. And uh, if you have... Uh, anything other than the King James, that might not be in your Bible because that's removed in new Bibles and you lose the reference to Daniel's prophecy, which is unfortunate. But guys, that takes place in the tribulation period. We're not dealing with the church age. If you see it stand in the holy place, are there, is there any holy place over there for it to stand in right now? There's not even a temple in Jerusalem. It's not in the church age. Excuse me for getting excited. Let him that readeth understand. Verse 16. Then let them which be in Jerusalem flee into the mountains. So Jesus is talking about something that's going to happen in Jerusalem. Let him which is on the housetop come down. Do you, any of you relax up on your housetop at night? No, but they do over there. Neither let, they do it today even. Neither let him which is in the field return back and take and so on and so forth. Look at verse 21. For then shall be great tribulation. Jesus is talking about something in the future, a prediction. And he's talking about what his people will go through because they rejected their king. There will be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. Alright, that's not all. Notice in verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days. So Jesus is talking about an event that is not taking place in the church age. It's taking place in the tribulation, and then he goes on to talk about something that's going to happen after the tribulation period. The sun shall be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, and the stars, this is at the very end, right before Jesus returns. And all that happens, powers of heavens are shaken. And notice here, verse 30, and then, after the tribulation, then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man... Jesus referring to himself in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. Why? They'll see the Son of Man coming. Now, when Jesus returns for the church, prior to the tribulation, we go up to meet him in the clouds. The world doesn't see Jesus at that time. But when he comes back, all the earth will see him and they'll mourn because they'll realize this name I've been blaspheming you know, for all my life. They'll say, that's Jesus Christ coming in the clouds and he does not look happy. 
So they'll see him coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and shall gather together his elect. So the angels do not gather us together. That doesn't describe the rapture, but the angels gather together the elect of Israel, and they're gathered together. You see, that's different than the rapture too. So, this, what is being described here, can we put it in the church age? I've just proved to you conclusively, you cannot put this in the church age. So, having said that, do we have any, any questions or thoughts before I kind of wrap this up or try to? Any questions or thoughts? What I'm trying to accomplish tonight is I'm trying to help our church to have a uh, dispensational theology or to study the Bible as dispensationalists. Meaning that I want us to rightly divide the word of truth. That means that we have to make right divisions in the Bible. If you don't make right divisions, you will have salvation all messed up and you'll think I have to endure to the end to be saved. In this case, that's what you'll think. Or you'll think, I'm going through the tribulation. So you, you'll never get your Bible straight unless you study the Bible dispensationally. And one more reminder about dispensationalism. What does it mean? It means that God deals with people differently in different ages or at different times. God deals with men differently at different times. In other words, He deals with us differently in the church age than He does with the world in the tribulation period. Does that seem clear enough? Okay. Okay, so Matthew 24, let's just finish with verse 14, the gospel of the kingdom. Let's run some references here. I'm going to do this in five minutes. You're right. All right, so the historical position on that verse right there, the gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached in all the world, and then Jesus will return. That's kind of like a missionary slogan or missionary statement. And it sounds good, but it doesn't have anything to do with the truth about what's going to happen in the church age. This is the tribulation. So the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the tribulation period, and the gospel of the kingdom is not the same as the gospel of the grace of God. The gospel of the kingdom is the good news of Jesus Christ setting up his kingdom and the Jews inheriting the earth. So the gospel... uh, Spoken of, let me just read it to you so we don't take too much time. I'm going to read Mark 13.10. And I'll just read this to you quickly. So in Mark 13.10, Jesus is again talking about the tribulation. And he says that the gospel must first be published among all nations. And when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand what you shall speak, neither do ye premeditate whatsoever shall be given unto you in that hour. He said that it's got to be preached in all nations there. But it's not the gospel of the grace of God that Paul preached. So to see that, look at Acts 20 with me real quick. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, chapter 20. And I guess we'll just come back to this next time. Acts chapter 20. So if you're curious about the gospel of the kingdom... Just go to where Jesus is commissioning the 12 in the Gospels, and then later on when he commissions the 72, and watch what he tells them to go and preach. He, he definitely tells them to preach repentance, and to preach that people can be forgiven. And he's saying, just like John the Baptist said, the kingdom is at hand. Jesus himself will tell people the kingdom is nigh. 
That means if you accept me, we'll, we'll do the crucifixion. Excuse me for talking about it like that. I will go to the cross, he would have told them. I will be raised again, and I will ascend to the Father and make the atonement and the payment for sin, and then I will return. Okay, when I ascend, yes, there will be a tribulation because he's got to deal with the devil, but then I will return and set up my kingdom, had they accepted him. Now, this, it's pretty, this is deep, I admit. But had they accepted him, there would not have been a church age. There would have been the millennium, and there still would have been the millennial salvation and the Gentiles of the earth being saved out of the tribulation period and the millennium. But there would not have been a church age. Um, you say, how do you get that? Because, you see, that's, that's why Paul, Paul could say, the gospel that I received, I didn't receive it of men. Jesus didn't tell anybody about it when he was here. He told me about it later on. Yes. And then and there's that change. And the, and the thing was is that it had to be that way. If they would have accepted him, Paul's ministry wouldn't have been necessary. Pretty wild, isn't it? So Acts chapter 20. And believe me, the first time I heard that, it was like, <laughs> like blow your hair back, as they say. Um, and I thought, I don't know about that. Just put it on the back burner. Just kind of chew on it for a while and, and keep studying the Bible. So, um, verse 24, Paul said, None of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. You say, what's that? Alright, we'll go to 1 Corinthians. Paul tells you the gospel that he preached. You know what the gospel of the grace of God is? Salvation is a free gift. It's pure grace. Unmerited favor. You don't deserve it. God's going to give us something we don't deserve as Gentiles. And He's going to save us by the grace of God, apart from any works whatsoever. And He's going to do it to provoke His people to jealousy. His people, the Jews. So 1 Corinthians 15, I'll just read it. Not really necessary that you turn there. but Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received... Now he's talking to Christians, and uh, many of them are not Jews. Most, I would say. You receive this gospel wherein you stand, by which also you're saved if you keep in memory that I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins. Now Paul is saying, the gospel which I preached, from verse 1. Oh, here it is, verse 3. What I delivered to you. How that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. How that he was buried and he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. And that he was seen of me and he had all these witnesses. That's the gospel. If you believe in that, you trust that as a payment for your sins, you'll be saved by the grace of God. And you're saved eternally. There's no... God's not an Indian giver. I'm so glad God doesn't throw his children away. That's the gospel of the grace of God. That's what Paul preached. One more. Galatians chapter 1. Just so you can see it. And he said, I didn't receive it of men. Does somebody know what I'm talking about there? Because I didn't write down this. this uh, I didn't write down this reference. Um, 
Uh, let's see. Okay, verse 10. For do I now... So he's saying if any man preach any other gospel, he'll, he'll be damned, right? He said that twice in this chapter, such as in verse 8. He said he'll be accursed or damned. And then he says, For do I now persuade men or God? Do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man. He didn't get it from Peter, James, or John. Or anybody else. But neither was I taught it. But by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus revealed it to him after he was born again on the road to Damascus. So, it's, you're saved by simple faith. as trusting, depending 100% what Jesus did on the cross. And then you're baptized. And... Uh, Baptism is not a part of your salvation. It's a command. It's necessary because Jesus said to do it. But not necessary for you to be saved. So that's the gospel of the grace of God. If you try to add anything to what Paul preached in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through, or 3 and 4, you are preaching another gospel and you are accursed, Paul said. So we don't mess with it. We preach the pure, simple gospel of the grace of God. There's a difference. It's the good news. It's not the good news of the kingdom. The kingdom right now, if you wonder where it is, it's in, it's in your heart. It's spiritual. The, the physical kingdom is yet to be realized. It's futuristic. It's going to happen in a future time after Jesus returns. So let's, let's go ahead. And, and uh, you know what? When I was talking to uh, counseling today, I kept going, now listen, listen. I kept doing that <laughs> And I was like, i got to stop. I said, I get excited. you got to forgive me. That's what I do when I preach. And I don't even know I'm doing it. And so uh, the, the Bible says that, I'm, that a minister is supposed to be meek and gentle unto all men. And um, So I don't mean to be cocky or anything like that. I just I get excited. And uh, we ought to be sure about what we believe, too. <laughs> be fully persuaded. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. God, I pray that you'd help us more and more to understand this and to rightly divide the word of truth so that we can be workmen that need not to be ashamed. And Lord, I pray that you'd bless this church. Uh, Lord, now that we've fed on the word of God, you've fed our souls. Lord, I pray that you'd bless us throughout the rest of the week. Help us, Lord, to tell someone along the way about the gospel of the grace of God. And be signs pointing people to Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.